back to the podcast. This is But What's Next with me, Michelle Reed. I hope you guys, I don't know, I just said Michelle, really weird. (laughs) Michelle Reed. I'm so happy you guys are here. I'm so excited for today's podcast. It's going to be another advice episode, which are definitely my favorites because I think I get to cover a lot of different topics from my own experience that is not perfect. I am not a therapist. I'm not someone who is a professional. So this is just my experience as a 23-year-old, things that I've learned. And it's always such an array of topics and ones that I think are nice to hear from because it's people who are actually listening to the podcast. And it's just really helpful to kind of hear things that you guys are going through. It helps me figure out more narrowed podcast episodes as well. So I'm always really thankful to be able to do these episodes. When I do them, I just ask for questions on my Instagram, which is just at Michelle Reed. I just ask you guys to submit questions to but what's next pod at gmail.com. And I actually haven't even read these ones. Usually I will read through a few of them to see if I need to ask for more to see if I think it's a topic I can cover. But I haven't even looked at any of these. So I think it's going to be good. It's very raw because I seriously haven't looked at them at all. So I think it's going to be a good episode. For this week's life update, I just want to say last week I did a podcast episode with Aiden and he was definitely nervous for that because he's never done a podcast and it's really intimidating when you're just sitting down talking for 40 minutes. I think a lot of times when people bring on guests, there's this just assumption that people know how to talk, they know what to say and with that being said, he was definitely nervous to do it but I am so thankful that you guys sent me so many nice messages about how you enjoyed that episode. I was sending them all to him and he was like, keep sending them. It makes me feel good. So just thank you guys so much for sending those. It really did mean a lot to him. And I think a lot of you guys liked seeing our dynamic more because you can't really see it on YouTube as much. But I think it's really fun in a podcast form too. So I just am really thankful that you guys enjoyed that episode. And I also was listening to it back and I was so giggly and I'm sorry if that was so annoying. I think obviously when you really like someone, he still makes me feel like I just started dating him. And so it really does make me just feel really giggly when I'm around him. But I just wanted to say that because I was listening to it back and I was like, this is actually kind of annoying for some people, I'm sure. So please excuse that. For this week's update, I'm recording this on Tuesday. So pretty early for it to go up on Monday of the following week. But with that being said, we're going to Wimberley. I talked about this in my last podcast episode, so just finishing up a lot of work stuff. And then after we go to Wimberley, we're bringing cash. We're going on another road trip to Nebraska to visit Aiden's dad. I've never been in Nebraska, and I really haven't spent a lot of time with his dad's side of his family just because we don't go to Nebraska that often. But I'm so excited. I think we're only going for a couple of days, but we are also bringing cash. It's a nine-hour road trip, and so he does really well in the car, but we've obviously never driven that far with him. So we will see how that goes. I'm not going to be vlogging that trip, but I will definitely be posting on my Instagram. I think that's the first weekend in August, if I'm not mistaken. That's when we're going. So I love road trips. I mean, flying's fun, but I honestly love driving and getting to see new places. I really want to go to New Mexico and Arizona. That's something I would love to do in the fall that I think would be really fun to do a road trip there. So we'll see if that happens. New Mexico is my top place that I want to visit, like Santa Fe and also Colorado. It's another place I've never been. And it's nice being in Texas because you can really 
Actually, Texas is huge, so you can't really drive out to a lot of places, but road trips are just so fun. Short road trips to break up your week when you're starting to feel a little less inspired. It's so nice to get out there, but I will be vlogging our Wimberley trip, so that'll be fun to share too. But that's pretty much everything I have to say for this life update, so I'm going to go ahead and start answering some advice questions. How do you handle being a supportive partner when something your partner is going through is giving you anxiety? To explain more, my boyfriend just recently quit his job, which was well-paying and stable, but did not make him happy at all. In fact, he got physically sick from the stress of the job on more than one occasion, so I'm definitely glad he is out of that environment. However, he is currently unemployed and doesn't feel any sort of need to rush into a new position. He wants to take six months to a year to figure out what he wants to do next and not just rush into a new job that he might also hate. I fully respect his choice and want to feel peace with it, especially since I know we'll be fine financially with just my income. But there's a part of me that feels like his unsureness makes me anxious. I'm the type of person that likes to have a plan for everything, have it all together, and sometimes I project my anxiety about that onto those closest to me when they are still figuring things out. We're looking to get engaged soon and there's a part of me that wants to wait until he feels Feels more secure in his career, but then another part of me is telling me to stop living in fear and trust God's plan that will be okay, and this is ultimately a good thing since he'll be happier. Any insight or advice, or even if you've dealt with something similar and have a story to share, that would be amazing. I really relate to this because I definitely have been in the position of boyfriend, or I don't know if that would be the position of your boyfriend, but I definitely go through a lot of ebbs and flows with my job personally, and that is probably one of the biggest things that I think affects our relationship because it is so easy when you don't have a boss to feel unmotivated, to feel like you don't have a sense of drive, especially when YouTube is all about numbers and growth and those things. It's easy to feel like you are not doing well. And I think I project that a lot of times onto our relationship. And 95% of the time, when I am upset and lashing out at him and getting upset and just being really sensitive about things, I know it stems from my insecurity of what I do. And that's something that I just have always had to deal with. It's funny because I was actually talking to someone in our dog park. There was a guy there and he was, there was a guy there and he was asking what my podcast was about. I was like, oh, I talk about marriage, getting married young. I talk about relationships, career. And he said, oh, well, how old were you when you got married? And I said, oh, I was 22. And he said, yeah, that's pretty young. I got married at 22 too. We got divorced at 30. I was like, okay, thanks for the help. But then he said he got married again. I said, well, how did you make that marriage last 30 years? Because he said it lasted 30 years. And he said, honestly, you just don't sweat the small stuff. And most things are small things. And I really do think that's true in our head when we have anxiety and we are anxious about things. A lot of that is stemming from just fear of the unknown, fear that you'll lose your job, fear that you will fail, fear of losing someone. It's fear a lot of time that's driving that. And I think your anxiety is probably coming from the uncertainty and the fear of his life because work is really important. And that's something I've learned too in terms of it is really good to feel fulfilled in your work. And I know when Aiden is really on top of his work, when he feels like he is doing well, when he feels that he has a purpose, not to say that he's a workaholic, that I'm a workaholic, but we feel that we're having a sense of purpose. It makes us much happier people and better partners to each other when we're feeling fulfilled individually. So I think that a lot of your anxiety is probably stemming from the fact that you want him to feel that fulfillment, even if he isn't 
anxious about it, even if he's not anxious about not having the job, you're feeling that for yourself. And honestly, another person in our dog park, he's a therapist and he was talking about how the communication is just so important, especially in a marriage, because he was talking about how there's two different kinds of therapy. There's cognitive behavioral therapy and then the one he does where you kind of go back through why you are the way you are, not just trying to change the behavior. And he was talking about it's so important to communicate about those things and to figure out why you're reacting the way that you're reacting. And so I think that's the first step is figure out what's causing you that anxiety into communicating that with him and making that known, especially if part of that is because you want to get engaged soon and you had this expectation, but now you're not sure, it can lead to a lot of just anxiety and anxiousness. And so I would definitely say to talk about it. I think that's always what I say because when that confusion is clarified, I can't tell you how helpful that is for your just personal well-being when you don't feel confused because that's what really does promote the anxiety in yourself. I mean, being transparent, I think that Aiden is much better at being encouraging and helpful when I am feeling anxious and kind of getting me to snap out versus me. I tend to get kind of frustrated when other people are feeling that way. Like, okay, well, if you just did this, maybe you wouldn't feel anxious. And that's such a bad way to approach it. And so for you, I would just think while talking about it is important, just try to figure out how you can be there for him in the best way possible that he needs you to be there and be encouraging. He's probably going to be a lot more motivated to find a new job if you're being a source of healthy encouragement, not, hey, did you send in 10 job applications today? But just being proactive, being a positive place for him to come to, I think that that does a lot of help in the long run. Okay, this one says, this is very random, but I find myself thinking about this all the time. I got engaged this past February and I always wear my engagement ring when I'm out, but when I'm home, I've been taking it off because it's a diamond and I don't want to ruin it while I'm cleaning. Do you take off your engagement ring and wedding band for any scenario such as going to the gym or going to the beach or cleaning, sleeping? I ponder this because obviously these rings are very important and wearing them is special and I have the mindset that I never want to take them off, but it just seems like it's going to damage or ruin the diamonds and I wouldn't want to do that either. Yeah, I take off my rings quite a bit, I would say. I always try to wear them when I'm going out somewhere. I don't wear it to the gym. I know some people wear rings when they go to the gym. Honestly, I'm not really getting hit on at the gym. I just think people wear those a lot of times because they think that they're going to get... It depends on the gym that you go to, but our gym is very much people go there to work out. It's not really kind of a pickup place, so I don't wear my rings there. It usually... I usually put them on when I'm getting ready. So a lot of times in my morning routine, I'm not really wearing them around the house. I try to take them off when I clean or do dishes, but I sometimes forget to do that. Mine are pretty tight, so they don't really slide off a lot. But yeah, I definitely take mine off a lot. I try to keep it on as much as possible. But yeah, like you said, they're diamonds. So I do try to keep it clean and just clean it regularly and be more careful with it because if I ever lost this, I would be so sad. <laughs> I can't even imagine. That's like the one thing. I'm someone who does lose things quite a bit and so this is the one thing that I'm like, okay, I cannot. I also will sometimes just wear my engagement ring or I'll sometimes just wear my wedding band because in the summer, my fingers swell up when it's hot outside and it's sometimes just more comfortable when I just have something light on my fingers. So sometimes I will just wear my wedding band or vice versa. My boyfriend and I are about to be juniors in college and I'm about to be 20 and he's about to be 21 and we've been dating for two years. We are both waiting until marriage and waiting to live with each other. We have talked about getting married many times in detail 
well, and we wanted to get married this year when we finished college, but now my boyfriend is saying he might want to wait until a year after we finish college to get married. He said he feels like it would be stressful to plan a wedding and get jobs right after college as well as move into an apartment, which I understand completely. I'm just kind of disappointed because we had talked about it so much and I had gotten so excited about the idea of us getting married and living together right after college. I know I should respect his point of view and I know I should trust in God's plan for my life, but I'm just having a hard time because I was so excited that we were getting close to that time and now it feels so far away. I imagine that's really hard when you do have that expectation. I think a lot of the conflict and disagreements we go through stem from the fact that we had this expectation and it wasn't met. I will say it definitely sounds like he's coming from it from a very mature perspective because yeah, a lot of those things would be really stressful about you know, not having a job yet. I can say from experience, we were engaged when Aiden was trying to find a job and it was really stressful on top of wedding planning, on top of COVID, on top of moving. Those are really stressful things. It's not to say that you can't do it. We did it, but it does make it easier when you have those other things kind of already set up in life. And so again, like I always say, I would just talk to him about it. I don't think this is him like putting off wanting to get married because he feels like he's not ready and even if that's the case that's totally fine it's just to talk about it and to be open about it about how you guys are feeling towards it I mean marriage is such a blessing and it is so fun and I I know that feeling when you are waiting to move in together and waiting to kind of start your life together and you're just so excited for that and that being put off for a year I would definitely be upset about that too. So I really feel for you. But it also comes with so many responsibilities that you don't want to rush into it if you guys are feeling like you're on different timelines. And honestly, a year goes by so fast. I know right now it might not seem like it's the shortest amount of time, but a year can go by so quickly. So again, I would just talk about it. I would just be open about it and try to see his point of view because yeah, it is all in God's timing and his timing will be perfect. I think individually you're praying about it and making sure that God knows your heart. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what's making you frustrated about it. I think a lot of times for me, I don't really bring things to prayer when they feel like they're personal problems. I almost feel guilty that it's bothering me. And I think you should just bring it to him and just be honest with him and let him know how you're feeling about it, your boyfriend and also God, because nothing is too big or too small for God. My question is related to my journey and my faith. I've been a Christian for quite a few years, but sometimes I catch myself struggling with certain sins, which leads me to feel guilt or feel as if I can't come to God. For example, if I cuss, lie, or catch myself gossiping, I will fixate on these things and I feel so shameful as if I can't face God. I feel lukewarm and unworthy. Basically, I just want to know how to deal with confessing your sins to God without allowing the enemy to make you feel as if you can't do so. I find that enemy makes me feel so unworthy of attending church or reading the Bible because I will never be a good enough Christian. This was me in college, like reading this, it just makes me think of myself and my episode that I did about my personal journey with faith. I struggled a lot with the topic of never feeling like I I was good enough to read the Bible, to understand it. That was more from a perspective because I was going to a college where everything was theology-based and it was, you need to know these certain things about the Bible and you have to read it the certain way and it just made me feel really intimidated by the bible definitely worsened my relationship with god because i didn't have a personal relationship with him and i know i talk about this all the time because it really has helped in terms of me reading my bible and that's watching the chosen series 
if you haven't heard of it, it's about the life of Jesus. It's about the disciples and how he came and performed a lot of his miracles. And it has really helped me see Jesus through a different light. And obviously there's artistic interpretation with that. And we don't know exactly what Jesus was like, but helping visualize the way that he is, seeing his humanness in it and seeing the way that he approaches his disciples is so encouraging because, and obviously sins are sins for a reason. They're to keep us from doing things that are hurting us. But I don't think that our God is a God who doesn't want you to come to him whenever you're actually struggling with things. I always think about the story of the prodigal son and the prodigal son who runs home after living a life that he felt ashamed of for a long time and the dad just embraces him. It's one of my favorite stories because I think of that in a lot of ways that's how God is towards us too and we're feeling so far away. I think that guilt and shame are so different when you're feeling ashamed for what you've done. You're hiding, you're trying to not confess it because you obviously don't want to feel shamed for it but guilt can actually lead you to repentance, to stop gossiping, to stop swearing, whatever it may be. And I think something that's important to know, and I just looked this up because I didn't memorize this, but in Isaiah 1 through 15, the Lord says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Proverbs 28, 9 says, if anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. And that sounds really harsh, but I believe that we do have to confess our sins to God. And if we are trying to pray to him, but we're also choosing to withhold our sin and not confess it to God. And when we're also asking in faith, when you believe that God has the power along with your own self-control to be better at correcting the sin that you were in. So John fifteen seven says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's not to say that this is the prosperity gospel and you're going to get everything you want just because you ask. It's just to say that Christ wants to hear from us and he wants to hear our prayers and and he's not the kind of God that you have to feel ashamed to go to. And I'm sorry if you ever have felt that way because of things that you've learned from being in certain churches. That is just my personal perspective. Um, I'm not a theologian. This is just me and my own relationship with God. My graduation ceremony from college is actually tomorrow and as I write this, I was getting my outfit ready and I started bawling my eyes out because I feel like a failure. I had to move back in with my parents and I could not get into the master's program that I wanted so I have to wait another year to get in. I feel like I have no direction in life and moving back to my hometown feels really weird since I do not have a lot of friends here and I miss my life in the city so much, but I can't afford to live on my own. Neither do I have a boyfriend which is also a source of sadness for me. I know what I want to do in this life, specifically live abroad, but I don't know where to start. Feel like my life is on standby. Any advice for a very recent graduate who feels lost in this strange season of life? I think just knowing that you're not alone, that a lot of people are doing that too. Here's the thing that I have learned, especially over the past year. So I think the past year of my life has been kind of crazy, but also really simple and mundane. Part of me wants to say, you know, go out and achieve your dreams, live it up, live it big. You're young. That's the time to do it. I think that. I think I got that out of my system when I went to New York, but also part of me feels like I think that we don't give ourselves the ability to enjoy small simple things and this is why I've tried to talk a lot about this on my channel because 
while the big things in life like graduating, like starting a job, moving abroad, putting together a home, getting married, we celebrate those big things. But in the kind of in-between moments of dailiness, we were listening to a sermon this past Sunday and he was talking about trusting God with the dailiness of your life. That's the most important thing. Those small moments and that you can enjoy them and appreciate them. You don't always have to be like living it up. And I know a year deferral, like the other question I answered, a year of something different than what you had expected can be really hard. You don't know what can come up with that. Like you don't even know you might meet a boyfriend. You might meet someone who's going to be there and maybe that's where God has you for a reason. It's so hard to believe it. Trust me. I've been in a phase in my life where I just always want the next thing and that's when I'm the most unhappy because I'm constantly thinking about that instead of being present where I am. And specifically the past few months, I have tried to just see more people, tried to do things that I can do where I'm at in my life right now and just be thankful for that instead of constantly wishing I had someone else's life or, and I'm getting emotional talking about this because I think a lot of my personal anxiety journey has stemmed from the fact that I never gave myself the ability just to be content with small things and I let myself get so torn up about all the small things that didn't matter. Because I was constantly trying to achieve these bigger things and no one tells you and gives you the permission to just enjoy a simple workout, to enjoy your breakfast, to enjoy the time spent with your family when you're living at home. Like looking back, that was one of the happiest times of my life during COVID, which was an awful situation. But when I moved home for a few months and I was living there and getting to spend more time with my sister and my parents, such a sweet time. But when I moved back, I felt like a failure too. And I slowly learned that this is what life is. It is what it is. I can change it whenever I want to, but I also have the ability to enjoy it for what it is. I don't know if that made sense. I want you to know that I totally feel you and I get how hard that is. And I I know the feeling of feeling stuck, but finding small things to look forward to is so important when you're in those stages. I actually just got engaged a couple weeks ago, and so we're starting to plan our wedding, which will hopefully be in about a year, and we're waiting to move in together. However, I'm already starting to just deal with some of those pre-wedding stressors. We set a budget, but it's starting to feel overwhelming when every wedding photographer we look at is a third of our budget, or venue seems all booked out already. I know we are extremely blessed with good jobs. We have both our cars paid off. My fiance also bought a condo last summer, which we'll share as our first home together. We have some savings, but I'm still paying off some student debt, and we know that besides the wedding, there will be other big fun purchases like our honeymoon. Although my dad is excited for my next chapter of life, my mom is proving to have a more difficult time. Before we got engaged, my fiance asked permission from both my parents and my siblings too, which everyone seemed to happily say yes. However, my mom told me now that she feels discluded from my life, although I try to spend time with her and include her as much as I can. It's only been a couple of weeks since we got engaged, and anything she asks about the wedding, she already seems upset with the answers, even though I try to remind her it's only been a couple of weeks. And a lot of stuff is still in the air as we're trying to figure out the details. She feels like I chose my fiance's wishes over hers. My fiance, on the other hand, is pretty easygoing, and I feel like he just does a great job not sticking me in the middle and accommodating my family. She keeps telling me he's not my family yet, and she's my family, so I should be choosing her and her wishes. But my fiance is my life partner, the future father of my children, and has proven that he will take care of me, and we are already a family too. I guess this is a long-winded, but any advice and honestly prayers too on navigating this new engagement season would be so helpful. 
I know there are so many jitters that come with planning a wedding and especially when you have so many different opinions and you're just the bride and you're trying to please everyone else and also trying to please yourself it can be just really hard to the degree that your parents are helping with the wedding it is important to consider their opinions on wedding things that they like it's obviously your wedding at the end of the day and if you don't want to take anyone else's opinions and you're paying for everything on your own I think that that's one way to go about it, but it is your family and I think trying to honor them in the best way possible while also honoring your fiance's wishes with the wedding. It can be so hard. I think just one, give yourself grace that you're not going to please everybody. You can't please everyone. My mom always said that all you can do is all you can do and that is so true, especially with planning a wedding. There's a lot going on. I know the financial side of it can also be stressful when you just have so many different moving parts. Um, And I know the thing with the photographers, like when I was reaching out to different photographers, I mean, I know that as artists that photographers are, my sister is in photography, I know you have to charge like high amounts. You got to cover your overhead. But I remember feeling discouraged too, because some of them were three times what I was willing to pay and we paid our photographer a really decent amount of money so it can be hard. I just always try to say that I relate to these questions. I think a lot of times people are thinking that their opinions and their struggles are just their own but I totally relate. With your mom, I think it would be so helpful just to have like, it doesn't even have to be a formal confrontation but just go get breakfast with her or something and just ask how she's feeling about the wedding specifically about you getting married. I think a lot of the wedding stress comes from people anticipating lives being changed, anticipating you not living and really being a part of the family as much as you were before, even though you definitely still are, even though he's coming into your family just as much as you're going into his. And just being really honest because she probably has some pent up distress from feeling that there are big changes because honestly, it is really different getting married. This is what I talked about in my last episode. That was probably the thing that was most different for me was just those changes that you have with your family and that kind of stuff. So I would definitely recommend just having a conversation with her and trying to figure out why she's feeling the way she's feeling because then it might make the wedding planning easier too. One, because you actually want to hear her out, but two, it'll make the wedding planning stuff a lot easier when you can actually get a grounded answer and know that it's not actually the fact that she's mad that you are going to be entering a new family, but the fact that she hates the flowers that you picked out or something. I'm not sure if this is a thing in Texas, but in the Southeast, there tends to be a strong culture of clickiness among young Christians. Not only do people think the same theologically, but Christians in their teens and 20s seem to act the same, buy all the same brands, and be interested in the same hobbies. Here in Tennessee, everyone is a rock climbing mountain biking hipster wearing only the brands Patagonia and Outdoor Voices. I belong to a different denomination, Anglican, and I'm more a chatty deep thinker rather than an outdoor go-getter. I just really struggle to make Christian friends. It feels like a click. I just can't get into and there is no room for diversity on any level. I have felt this very hard recently as I'm working at a Christian summer camp with staff that have known each other for three plus years, are all roommates or neighbors, and are all involved in various summer sports leagues together. All their conversations are about people I don't know or events I wasn't there for or events I wasn't invited to. 
I try to enter conversations and joke around and they are nice enough, but it is clear that they see me only as a coworker. It's hard for me because I crave Christian friendship, but everywhere I turn just feels like high school again. I am attending law school soon and really hope this summer I can make some lasting relationships, but I feel like more of an outcast than I ever have before. Have you ever experienced anything like this? Do you have any advice on what to do when you feel different? I think this is the biggest reason why it's been hard to find a church because it is super clicky and it's really sad that you know as a Christian you're supposed to be loving and really reaching out to other people but it's so easy to be places where everyone does look the same it's definitely like that in Texas I think that people do kind of dress the same and act the same but I guess for me something that I realized with me was I was also judging other people just as much as I was feeling judged myself I think a lot of times it's easy to think other people aren't friendly, other people aren't welcoming, and then I look at myself and I actually have not done anything to try to be welcoming to other people. And so this is even like outside of church too. I've just tried to be more friendly, smile more, talk to people because that's how I want other people to be towards me. And worst case scenario, they are not nice and they're jerks and I just move on with my life and it's okay. But it sounds like you actually have experience with these people. You are working at camp with them so you understand it. And it's hard just to say keep trying, but I think that we finally found a church that we really do love and it has all different kinds of people and when I say that I mean specifically age like there's older people younger people families and that's what I like because I like just being around a lot of different people I've never been like growing up I was never really a camp person I didn't do a lot of youth camps because there's something about just being around a lot of people like me that stressed me out And I like just being around a lot of different people because I think you get a lot of different wisdom from walks of life. So try to find somewhere where you do get that outside of the camp because yeah, I think a lot of times that stuff is a bubble and people aren't actually being around all different kinds of people. It's so hard with friends questions because it's so hard to meet people and I'm not the best at meeting people, but I do know that I'm always thankful when someone reaches out to me to hang out. So even if you know one person that you like to be around, reach out and try to be the person who really does make an effort to be friends because that's something that I appreciate when other people do. So I think, oh, I should do this more as well. I am talking to this guy and we're going to be hanging out next week, but he asked me what my boundaries were. I told him and why. The red flag is he said he personally doesn't believe premarital sex is bad, but my reasons are good and that he will keep and respect my boundaries. Him saying this leads me to believe he is not a virgin, but I don't know. I'm afraid I'll be the only one trying my hardest to abstain from sex. What should I do? Break it off, feel it out, or what? This one is a little bit difficult. I think it just depends on you. I think regardless of what your personal red flag is, if waiting until marriage is something that you want to do, I think it's very helpful if the person that you're with is also committed to that same goal because even when you are both committed from experience, it's still really hard. And I imagine that gets 10 times harder when you're with someone who, for someone who would be okay with having sex before you're married. I just think from my experience, it would be a lot easier if you didn't. I know that he says that he would. I'm not sure how old you are, but you got hormones and those hormones are really raging and 
I think that you can put yourself in situations that you don't want to be in when someone isn't committed to the same goal as you. That's not to say that they're in the wrong. I just think that you should be with someone who also has the same priorities, especially in that area, because it's just a big thing. Like sex and intimacy is a very important part of a relationship. And for a lot of people, they want that without marriage. And so if that's what they want, that they should get that from someone else, not from someone who has a different idea on that, if that makes sense. Um, so I don't want to be the one to say break it off, but I also am probably going to be the one to say break it off because I just don't know how that would end. How do you handle a boyfriend that leaves people with a bad first impression? My boyfriend is truly wonderful, but he comes off as standoffish, distracted, and indifferent to those around him. It took my family about a year to get to know him enough and how they love him. But what can I do to prepare people for his first impression before they meet him without actually speaking about him poorly? I want to avoid being condescending or intentionally lowering their expectations of him. In the past, it has really upset my friends to think that he doesn't want to get to know them. And his behavior does not outwardly appear to be shyness, even though he truly just isn't comfortable for the first several meetings. I'm about to enter a season of life where I'll be making a lot of new friends and he will be visiting to see me and meet them too. Thoughts? Yeah, this one's hard because, I mean, from my experience, for me, it takes me a long time to warm up to people and... I think I've gotten better at being more approachable over the years, but I have just always been more quiet and I think that I would come off as standoffish when I really was just quiet and it's taken me putting myself in a lot of opportunities to meet new people to get better at just social skills and to learn how to be better, but it doesn't come naturally. I'm not naturally an extrovert. It's something that I do have to kind of push myself in. So from my experience, I would say just to trust him a little bit more. I don't think you need to go into every meeting with, you know, warning your friends, telling them how he is, telling him, telling them that he's better than he'll come off because that is probably not going to be the best first impression in general when they're already going into it, looking at how he's going to be behaving. And I think it'll make him feel like he's more under a microscope. Just put yourself in situations that are lighthearted when you meet people, easy situations, not like a rigid dinner not something that's really kind of cut and dry, you know, something that's natural, that's casual, that he'll be able to feel more comfortable being there. And also just make it known to him how it's important to you that he has these relationships with these people and that while he may not love it at first, that it is something that's important to you. If he really loves you, he's going to do what's important for you, or at least he should, if it's something that's obviously not harmful to him. My question is, do you think it's okay to not have a dream job or career? I am 25 and I don't feel a calling to anything particular in the workforce. I have worked the same full-time job since I got out of college and I don't know what to do next. I am happy enough in my role and I have been getting significant raises every year so I know I'm doing well in my role. However, I feel that everyone is judging me for not wanting a new position every year or going back to school. My joys in life are not work-related, things like my fiancé, pets, home, baking, and cooking. I can't really get paid for those things, but my job allows me the time and money to do those things. I totally believe I could get a new job if I wanted one and I could get another degree if I wanted one, but I don't think, so I don't think it's a self-doubt thing. How can I make sure that I'm not missing out on my dream job and how can I not care what others think about my career choices? I would say to ask yourself if you actually think other people are judging you for those things or if you yourself are judging you for that. I know from my experience, a lot of times when I'm thinking everyone else is judging me because I don't want this, I don't want this, it's because I feel guilty because I don't want that. I feel guilty because 
our culture really does talk a lot about having a dream job and really emphasizes career and not those other things. And so I think it's easy, which is great. If that's what you want, that's totally fine. But it's also okay to want other things. And I think that's something that we are slowly kind of learning as a culture, if you will. And so, yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think if you're okay with that, you're okay with that. But there might be some part of you, if you're really thinking about this all the time, that secretly does want to go back to school, secretly does want to get that dream job. But you got to kind of know that for yourself and decipher, is this because other people are telling me this or is this because I actually do want that? I can tell you straight up, I love the small things in life and I really do not have a desire to work 80 hours at a dream job. That's just not something that I want to do. I would love to be living on a farm, riding horses, and taking care of animals. We joked about that in my last podcast episode, but it really is true. I don't dream of like having a really awesome corporate job. That's just not my desire, and that's okay. Obviously, you still have to make a living, so I'll do what I can to make the living for the lifestyle that we want to live, but beyond that, I'm okay with the way that I'm living my life right now. And I think it takes a lot of confidence just to say that and admit that. And I think if you also have to work a job that you really don't like, that that's okay too. Like that's okay to do in the short term. I think there's just so much emphasis on having this perfect job that's exactly what you want. And a lot of the case, and a lot of the times that's just not possible for people. You just don't care. You think about the things that bring you joy and you try to focus on those things that bring you joy as well. I just got engaged and I'm so excited, but I'm also totally overwhelmed with where to start on wedding planning. I'm also an Enneagram type one, so organization is really important to me. I look up to you and your relationship a lot, so I'd love some input. Thank you so much. I would say that I actually did post a video recently on like wedding regrets. I think that that would be a really great video to watch. I watched so many of these videos that were things I love that I did about my wedding, things I didn't like that I did about my wedding. There's so much online that you can get. My friend Mikkel Jancy, she did all these wedding videos when she was getting married and they were so helpful. Me and my mom would sit down and watch all of her videos together because we didn't have a wedding planner. We did it ourselves and it's really a lot. It is a lot depending on how much you're spending, but it is doable to do without a planner. I think the first thing to start is just knowing what you want your wedding to be like, what you want other people to feel at your wedding, the vibe that you'd like to go for, and then setting your budget for how much you want to spend, what's the money that you want to spend in your savings, is someone going to be helping you out? That's really helpful to have. And also within you and your fiance to know who's doing what, know what you need help on, what he needs help on, just so you kind of have all your bases covered. And then typically the first place you start is finding your venue. So to actually set a date, you have to know your venue. You have to know where you're going to be getting married. And so finding a venue, a lot of those book out pretty far in advance. So I'd say that's the most important thing to do. And then your photographer, your videographer, All the different people that you want to hire to make everything come to life, booking those as soon as possible is also really helpful if you have very specific people you want. So I had a videographer I really wanted to use. I I knew I wanted to do someone who did film photos, so I was trying to find a film photographer. And those things do book up a lot. Your food, your flowers... And even if you just Google wedding planning timeline, those are really helpful. We put together this binder, me and my mom, and it was our timeline, all of our receipts, our budget, just so we had everything in one place. And then we would just go through and knock out the list. 
a lot of those planning timelines will say three months before you need to do this, six months before you need to do this, a year before you need to do this. And it's nice just to have all that written down, especially if you're a type one and just to be able to see everything. That was really helpful for us for do to do. But I have a few wedding episodes, but maybe I could do a more specific wedding planning one since it's still a bit fresh in my mind from our wedding. Let me know if you'd like to see or hear some more wedding content because I can definitely do that too. Those are all of the advice questions I'm going to answer. I think I answered a very mixed array of questions, so I hope this was helpful. And thank you guys always for submitting questions. I didn't get to everyone's, but I do sometimes when I don't get enough for one episode, I'll go back through old ones and try to answer some of them. So they definitely are all saved and hopefully I will get to yours eventually, but Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to subscribe, I post every single Monday. I would love it if you would do that. That actually really helps the podcast as well as writing a review. If you listen often, you appreciate it. It really does mean a lot to have those reviews. I'm working on getting some more monetizing factors for this podcast. And I just know that those things really do help in terms of growing your podcast and helping it reach more people. So I would definitely appreciate that. And I always appreciate when you guys tag me in stories when you're listening because I love to respond so feel free to do that too but so thankful for you guys like always and I will catch you guys in my next episode bye friends